Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. It's Friday, July 1st. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Netflix has a lot on the line with its latest installment of Stranger Things. New data shows that Netflix subscribers are more likely to leave the service in the first month than subscribers of any other streaming competitor. Big media was sleeping on them for a long time, but now offer their own services and have taken their shows and movies with them. Peter Kafka, senior correspondent at Recode, joins us for how they're responding. Cheaper, ad-supported versions and splitting seasons into two parts. Next, booster shots coming in the fall will be tailored to the latest wave of the pandemic and target Omicron and its subvariants BA4 and BA5. This will hopefully provide more short-term immunity protections as new variants have been better able to evade current vaccines. Pfizer would most likely be the first ready with these new boosters. Carolyn Johnson, science reporter at the Washington Post, joins us for more. Finally, we're hearing a lot more about hiring freezes and layoffs as high inflation and fears of a recession persist. The latest we have seen over the past few weeks are that some companies are rescinding job offers. It's not happening on a large scale yet, but what should you do if it happens to you? Jennifer Liu, work reporter at CNBC Make It, joins us with some tips on how to get yourself back out there. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. It affects what choices people have to go to places other than Netflix. It affects how Netflix views its pricing and everything else. And, you know, that is the best summary I can make of it. We're still sort of unclear as to what's actually going to happen. But we know that Netflix no longer owns streaming in the way it used to. Joining us now is Peter Kafka, senior correspondent at Recode and host of the Recode Media podcast. Thanks for joining us, Peter. Sure. Happy to be here. Well, let's talk about some uh, interesting things going on with Netflix. We got some new data on how many of their subscribers are actually leaving within the first month of them subscribing. We've seen recent news, obviously, uh, that they lost 200,000 subscribers. Uh, They're expected to lose 2 million in the second quarter of the year. So a lot of bad news for them. But what we're seeing is a bunch of different things, different reactions. They're famous for the binge watch, but they're starting to extend some of their properties into different release dates and things like that. So, Peter, what are we seeing with Netflix right now? I mean, the big picture is that Netflix had streaming to itself for a very long time, and now it doesn't, and there's more competition. And we have yet to sort of figure out what the entire landscape is like and whether Netflix is, you know, it's got 220 million subscribers, way more than any of its competitors, whether it's going to be able to sort of continue to hang on to that crown. But it it certainly seems like all that competition has started to affect it. Um, It affects what's on Netflix. It affects what choices people have to go to places other than Netflix. It affects how Netflix views its pricing and everything else. 
And, you know, that is the best summary I can make of it. We're still sort of unclear as to what's actually going to happen. But we know that Netflix no longer owns streaming in the way it used to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's one of the most important things as all of these other companies have come on with their own streaming platforms. First of all, there's so much content out there. But you mentioned, you know, big media was ignoring Netflix at the beginning. They had The Office. They had Friends. They had all these great movies on their platform. But as those shifted to their own properties, whatever it is, Paramount Plus, HBO Max, Hulu, all these other ones, they were left with nothing but a lot of their original programming. And despite spending $17 billion a year on their TV shows and movies, it might not be the favorite stuff that people want to watch now. It may not be. They may not be doing as good a job at surfacing it uh, they, or, or explaining to people that there's stuff there they like. They would certainly tell you, look, there's people are watching an enormous amount of Netflix content. People are very happy to watch all kinds of shows and sort of, you know, there's this perception, I think, for people who live in New York and Los Angeles and or maybe are in the media business that if only Netflix was more like the conventional media business they used to work at or would like to work for, uh, things would be better. I'm not sure that's the case. But they certainly, I think, are going to be spending more prudently. doesn't mean they're going to reduce their spending, but I think they're going to be more careful what they spend on. And you may see them try to do make some smarter bets, I think, yeah. is, the, is the most logical way to put it. And so what are we seeing in some of this latest data? There, we're, we're seeing that Netflix subscribers are more likely to quit in the first month than any other streaming device. Yeah, you know, Netflix, I asked them to comment on that. They wouldn't. Data comes from a company called Antenna which is a relatively new company, but they seem to do a pretty good job at least getting things directionally correct in terms of where these services are going. And, you know, it's a pretty rapid change in terms of Netflix's numbers getting worse. Um, it may be as simple as the fact that they raised their prices uh, in the beginning of the year. That's when those numbers started getting worse, and it could be just as basic as, you know, Netflix was asking people to pay more, and they said, yeah, it's not worth it. But it's quite stunning to look at it on a chart, which you can see on our website at Fox. Yeah, totally. I mean, they lead the pack of uh, in that list than all the other streaming services. And so what's the response that they've come up with now? We're seeing that they're going to roll out a cheaper version of the service with ads. And one of the things that a lot of people are pointing to is splitting up some of these bigger seasons that they have into two. You know, you, uh, you get like the first chunk with, uh, let's let's you know say Stranger Things, right? They released the first seven episodes on May 27th. The last ones come out on Friday, July 1st. And, you know, they're hoping maybe by splitting that up, they can keep people for a longer period of time. Yeah, at a minimum, you would have, this, you would have to give them two months of subscriptions as opposed to as to one and and beyond just the money that they get from having you stick around they're sincerely hoping the longer you stick around the more you're going to find stuff that you like you know i think their long-term response and they're going to have ads and they still think video games are going to be useful for them pretty skeptical about that they believe that you know if they get better at doing content they'll be better long term and that's what they think they're that they think ultimately that's their answer and, you know, the, tr the trouble is everyone else is trying to do the exact same thing. And there's a little bit of good news for them, right? You mentioned the 220 million subscribers that they still do have mm -hmm. more than the other competitors. But uh, in some of this data that we saw recently, too, the longer somebody spend, uh, tends to stay on Netflix, you know, whether it's three months or longer, they're kind of more likely to stick with you, at least. And, and that's yeah. true than more than uh, the other services as well. Yes, but the, the Netflix overall, you know, their overall churn numbers, as we're talking about, is churn people, percent of people quitting, is going up. It's definitely a problem for them. I think that they think that, you know, they will get this right over time and that they have a little time built in because they have so many subscribers paying the money today. Um, and also when they, when they buy something, they're showing it to that many more people. The economics still work in their favor when they're spending money. They took a calculated bet that some of these shows that work well for them 
when they were on their service, like Friends or The Office, won't do as well for smaller services. But, you know, at the end is they've, they've got to find new stuff that people like and identify as being Netflix shows. Peter Kafka, senior correspondent at Recode and host of the Recode Media podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. My recommendation is to get the vaccine now and better safe than sorry, not just protecting against the acute effects of COVID, but also the possible complications. Joining us now is Carolyn Johnson, science reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Carolyn. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about what we might be seeing coming in the fall. The next booster shot that you receive for COVID-19 could be this updated one that uh, is a little more tailored to the Omicron subvariants that we're seeing that are uh, taking over uh, the majority of cases right now. The last time the FDA had advised companies to create two vaccines, basically one that would be more of the original formula and one that was tailored more to the Omicron subvariants, BA4 and BA5. So it seems like that's the one that might be on the way again. So, uh, Carolyn, tell us a little bit more about what we're hearing about this. Yeah, the FDA this week had um, a day-long meeting of outside scientists and doctors who debated what to do, how to update the vaccine, because while there's a really well-vetted kind of well-established process for how we update the flu vaccine every year, we've not done this with COVID. And so... They had to kind of go through a debate about when you change the vaccine, when the evidence points to it, what you change it to, how it gets used. And so, as you said, the FDA has decided to kind of create a two-part vaccine that includes the original formula that was designed to protect against the virus that was circulating in early 2020, and then a second part that's tailored against the BA4 and BA5 Omicron variants that are currently growing, about to take over the outbreak in the U.S. again. One of the reasons for this, we've seen, you know, we've been going through it, right? That's why we've, we've needed the boosters, is that while the original vaccine does well at preventing severe illness or hospitalizations, death, all of that, the immunity that it provides wears off over time. And as the new variants have come on board, really that immunity wears off a lot quicker now. So these new uh, boosters catered to the Omicron variant help a little bit, at least with that, with that short-term immunity. I mean, the, the hope is that these shots will give us an advantage in going into the winter and fall season. It's also based on a lot of inferences about that. We don't actually know what's going to be circulating in the fall. It's probably not going to be BA4 or BA5. It's going to be something else. It could be another Omicron subvariant. It could be something else. We keep getting surprised. So this is kind of a best guess situation. We're trying to keep up really with the virus because it, we're in a chase with it right now. And is definitely kind of an effort to acknowledge that the waning immunity of these vaccines needs to be help. We need to restore people's immunity to potentially prepare for the winter. But I think, you know, people should also maybe look at this with their eyes wide open. We're not going to almost certainly get a situation where the vaccines, you know, reset the pandemic back to perfect protection, where we are protected against all infections and mild ones and bad ones. So we're really trying to kind of manage this with the best tools we have, but we still don't know enough about this virus. And keeping up with evolution is a, is a pretty hard situation. As you know, with the flu vaccine, some years we choose a really good match to what turns up out to circulate and sometimes not a great match. And so the efficacy kind of varies. A couple things to note here. Uh, one of them is 
that it is this is coming in the form of a booster shot if people are getting the vaccine for the first time something like that later on down the line you're still probably going to get the original vaccine and then this one catered to the omicron thing would be a booster only yeah it's not going to be updating every shot so if you haven't been vaccinated yet or you're a child you're getting your first shot or your second shot you're not going to get this shot it's partially because FDA said in their press release we're in, we're in a bit of a transition phase where because we don't know where the next variants are going to come from, we're not yet, and people are still building immunity, we're just not going to switch everything over the way we do with flu where everyone gets the same booster every, you know, it's, there's no, there isn't, you know, a primary thing that's different than the booster. So I think that will probably change as this goes on, but for now, that's how it'll be. And the last we don't know how, oh. how universally it will be given yet either. It could potentially be given to everyone, offered to everyone who gets a booster. It could be offered as just to like at-risk people. We kind of have to wait to see what they recommend. And the last thing to note on this is that the price of the vaccine is going up. Pfizer is the one who's going to be in position to offer this probably first. Moderna is going to take a little bit longer to offer this uh, booster catered to the Omicron subvariants. But the U.S. has already done uh, another purchase of these rebooted vaccines. And as I mentioned, the price is going up. And Pfizer said that the price is probably going to go up even more after the pandemic is all over. Oh, yeah. They've been saying that all along. So it's not a huge surprise. But because we see this big government, the government just announced a $3.2 billion agreement to purchase 105 million doses. We can see that they're a bit more expensive than they were in 2020. So I expect, I mean, it hasn't been fully spelled out, though, that the government's going to probably provide this free, similar to how all of the vaccines have been thus far. Eventually, we will likely see the government stop purchasing the vaccines centrally, and it'll become something more like flu, where insurers are covering it, private insurers to do that part of it. (laughs) Carolyn Johnson, science reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's Dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? 
so he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. These anecdotes of people having job offers, you know, cutting ties with their former employer, maybe taking a little break and ready to start a new job. Some people are finding out within days that the new job they were intending to start has been cut or eliminated, oftentimes due to budget. Joining us now is Jennifer Liu, work reporter at CNBC Make It. Thanks for joining us, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about something that's going on in the workplaces right now. We're seeing a lot of hiring freezes and layoffs from a bunch of different companies. Just a response to what's going on with high inflation. There's a lot of fears of a recession coming our way. And companies are, you know, trying to uh, adjust for the future and seeing what's going on. Something that's not been very common But we're starting to see some companies do, uh, Coinbase, Twitter, Redfin come to mind, but they're rescinding some job offers. And as I mentioned, this doesn't happen very often, but it can throw you off balance, right? Now you have to start looking for something else. So uh, Jennifer, what are we seeing with this? So for the past year, we've really been hearing a lot about the great resignation where job seekers and candidates have a lot of bargaining power and a lot of confidence in the job market to quit their job for a new one, for more pay, a better title, or better benefits. But what we haven't seen is this shift in employers really pumping the brakes on their hiring. And in these cases with hyper-growth companies, they are pumping the brakes so quickly that they are, in fact, having to take back the offers that they've just made to folks intended to start in the coming weeks or months even. So these Anecdotes of people having job offers, you know, cutting ties with their former employer, maybe taking a little break and ready to start a new job. Some people are finding out within days that the new job they were intending to start has been cut or eliminated, oftentimes due to budget. That's got to be so tough, especially if you've left the other company or already set everything in motion. You know, hey, my last day is Friday and Thursday, you're getting this note that your other job offers got rescinded. You know, that's got to be super stressful. And you spoke to a couple of HR experts on what to do if something like this happens to you. And right away, one of the first things they say is put yourself back on the job market, you know, start looking at your networks for new job leads. That's one of the first things you should be doing right away. A great place to start is if it feels like you're starting at square one, simply updating your LinkedIn profile, reaching out to your online professional network to signal, hey, I am back on the job market. I am taking new leads and interviews. You could even post a little bit more about your situation and the details of why you are back on the market so quickly. It happened exactly to one of the HR experts you spoke to, Bethelyn Staples. 
And, you know, she posted it on LinkedIn. It, it ended up going viral. Her message of her job offer getting rescinded, obviously that helped her a lot. You know, she, it led to another, uh, to multiple job interviews and other offers and everything. And she's doing okay now, but not everybody can go viral. So it's just important to start working your networks. One of the other things that they recommend to do is you can even revisit other job offers. And it makes the perfect point for always to leave on a good note, you know, no ghosting, be polite as possible and professional in case you do have to revisit some of those spots. You know, you don't necessarily have to start back at square one of your job search. If you are just on the market and you have been through rounds of interviews, you can think, did you recently turn down other offers that you can now revisit? If you withdrew from rounds of interviews with other companies, are they still hiring for that role? You can certainly reach out to the hiring manager or HR representative that you were most recently connected with and be clear about what happened. You can share some context about the rescinding employer as long as it doesn't violate an NDA. And also, you know, in this tight hiring environment, if you were in a situation where you had to make a decision on a previous offer very quickly, you can let the new firm know that, hey, I had to make this decision within a 48-hour window. That job offer is no longer on the table, but I'm very much still excited about this opportunity that we have here. Is this something that you are still hiring for? And then we can move on from here. One of the main things, and I think some of the smartest advice that's coming up from this is ask your prospective employer about the health of the company. You can do this in the interview process and all that, and just get a feel for how they plan to weather upcoming uneven economic news, right? You know, if a recession comes mm-hmm. through, is, is the health of your company enough? Or, you know, how many people have you been hiring recently? These are just kind of all indicators on how viable a, a job offer might be and if it's a place that you're going to want to stick with. Yeah, there are a number of ways that you can ask prospective employers about the health of the business, asking about their plans for hiring in the second half of the year, or especially for, you know, some of these tech startups that we're seeing, you know, when is the next round of financing coming in? Is there enough runway in the business to keep hiring, even if there is a market slowdown or downturn? You can also get a gauge of what hiring has looked like for the company recently. So how many people have been brought to the company in the last month? Or how many people are expected to be part of your onboarding class if you do join the company soon? There are also ways to ask the interviewer about the more personal side of how comfortable do you feel in your role, in your job security here, or what were the big topics discussed at the company's last town hall? Jennifer Liu, work reporter at CNBC Make It. Thank you very much for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robey. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.